Live sports are back, and just like the NBA playoffs, you don't want any Knicks with them. That's what you get with Manscaped. No Knicks on your nads, no Knicks on your private parts. With the Lawnmower 3.0, it's the best hygiene tool in the NBA's modern man fan experience. If you want to watch NBA games, you want to watch the playoffs and feel as streamlined and as groomed as possible, you have to use the Lawnmower 3.0. I'm not playing around here. It's got a ceramic blade, it's got skin safe technology. Also, Take care of your nails. You're typing away on these computers. You're typing away on your phone. Make sure your nails are taken care of with the slash tip tweezers, the rounded point scissors, the fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. Not low grit, not high grit. It's a Goldilocks of grit in the Shears 2.0 luxury four-piece nail kit. You can get all that plus the crop preserver, the crop reviver, All the stuff that comes from Manscaped, not only can you get it, you get 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. It's 20% off and free shipping with THEATHLETIC20 as the promo code at manscaped.com. From the moose to the caboose, take your grooming game to the next level. Hey Dave, have you checked out the new app for The Athletic? Yeah, I really love the briefs. Yeah, we get to like react in real time. It's it's an amazing feature where we can kind of just like send out these short messages about what we're seeing in the NBA, what we think about certain hires and certain firings, and like just what's going on in the games. What's it like? It's like Twitter, but good and fun. Good morning. Welcome to the Daily Ding. Happy Thursday morning. You want playoff action from Wednesday night? You're getting playoff action from Wednesday night because that's what we've got for you. I'm Zach Harper. That's Dave DeFore. We got Brian Smith sending the Raptors away from the oncoming meteor. I thought it was going to be towards it. It's away from it. They live to fight another day. By the way, don't miss exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now and save by going to theathletic.com slash daily ding. You're going to get all access subscription for just $1 a month. That's got to be a typo. Hold on. Let me check this. No, it's $1 a month. How, how is that possible? $1 a month. Sports are back. You get to get all the great coverage from The Athletic. Plus, you get to interact with all these new features. You get podcasts, comment section on podcasts. You can't go better than that. So, theathletic.com slash daily ding to receive an all-access subscription for just $1 a month. Coming up on today's show, the Clippers are cruising to the conference finals. Daniel House's season may be in jeopardy. And Steve Nash talks about skipping the line. But first... Dave, fire up the Zaza Pachulia line because we're going to a Game 7. We're going to Game 7, baby! Game 7! Game 7! Raptors 125, Celtics 122 in double overtime. It's tied at 3-3 now. And Dave, I think the last 15 minutes of this game were some of the most fun I've had all season. It was great. And, you know, there were some controversial calls from the referees, but... I don't want to focus on that because this was kind of what we expected from these teams when we saw they were finally going to play in the playoffs. You know, I think Kyle Lowry is looking a lot better these days. That ankle doesn't seem to be bothering him as much, does it, Zach? No, he's moving pretty well. He's taking these fadeaways. He's pulling up from three. He's sliding over. He's flopping all over the place. He's flailing like you can't flail and flop if your ankle isn't 100 percent. No, and and as Nikola Jokic told us, you know, you flail to make sure the ref knows that you got fouled. Now, I'm not sure that I would call what Kyle 
or you know anyone on the Raptors or Marcus Smart. I'm not going to call that flailing because I mean, oftentimes they're cross body blocks, they're you know uh, complete backflops, but they are definitely making sure the refs know that they got fouled. But yeah, the last 15 minutes of this game, I mean, it was just it was very back and forth, and every time Boston felt like it was in control. Toronto just found a way to answer, and this is sort of what we expected out of the Raptors. Uh, I think Nick Nurse got these guys ready to go. I thought they were toast. I really did. I thought Boston was controlling that game. I thought around early in the third quarter, I really thought, okay, Boston's going to control, and then that's when Toronto Toronto made their push. And you know, Kyle Lowry was ridiculous in this one. Thirty three points on twelve of twenty shooting. He hit six threes. He had eight rebounds, six assists, and one turnover, playing fifty three minutes. Look, we can see like, oh, certain guys have averaged a triple-double and some guys have averaged this amount of points and all this stuff. That's a ridiculous amount of efficiency in a game six with your season on the line to only turn the ball over once. And and I'm with, like, I get it. Like, the officiating was not great in this game, but Kyle Lowry was unbelievable. And it was once again, Dave, like, Pascal Siakam has had one good game. One, one. good game in this series. Maybe one good game in the whole playoffs because I don't even think he was good against the Nets, but they didn't need him. But he right. was 12 points, 5 of 19. He played good defense, and he you know, passed the ball. He had six assists. He had eight rebounds. But he just cannot make a shot right now. The one shot that I, I want to point out that he did make was in OT. He hit a little mid-range jump shot. Yeah, from the baseline, and, right? And he needs to take those when they're available to him. And, and, you know, I know we're supposed to all hate the mid-range, but the truth is, like, Pascal looks out of rhythm. Nick Nurse said the hiatus didn't treat everyone the same, and it's pretty clear that Pascal's not the player that he was, you know, eight months ago. But he was never this number one guy. Like, let's clear that up really quick because he was certainly high usage, but not the type of guy that was inspiring, you know, playoff confidence in anybody in January. As a matter of fact, we all kind of thought, okay, well, you know, this is a good regular season team, but is Siakam going to be able to get it done, you know, when it's crunch time in the playoffs? And no. But Kyle Lowry is the leader of this team and found a way to get it done somehow again. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, Lowry hit big shots. Norm Powell hit big shots. Like, Norm Powell was was incredible down the stretch of this game. He had 23 points on 6 of 11 shooting. And then on the Celtics side, like, it was just like OG would hit a shot. Norm Powell would hit a shot. Kyle would hit a shot. On the Celtics side of it, like, Tatum was balling. Like, I, he didn't shoot... Great, like it's not like he was he was overwhelming in terms of scoring. He had twenty nine points on twenty one shots, but man, like he was passing the hell out of the ball. He was defending, he was grabbing boards. Marcus Smart had a weird triple double. Like you don't expect him to get that. He knocked down six threes again, so I guess the shots back. Jalen Brown had thirty one points on thirty shots, also had sixteen rebounds. Like it was just a weird box score for these two. But it was just man, like Kemba would hit a shot, Marcus Smart would hit a shot, Tatum would make a play, like. It's just the back and forth in overtime and double overtime in this game. I was trying to like take notes and stuff and like be prepared for this and everything, but I was just, to be honest, like just sitting there just giggling. Like I was just I just had so much fun. It gets a little bit too emotional at a, at a certain point because both these teams, you know, flopping aside, they're kind of hard-nosed teams that you want to root for. Like I mean, I love Marcus Smart. He's one of my favorite players. I mean, obviously, we all know how you feel about Kyle Lowry. But I I want to talk about Norm Powell real quick because Norm has been great for this team, but it is interesting to see a coach draw up a three-point iso for a game winner for a guy that came off the bench. Well, and and especially, Dave, like, he's been great for this team this year. He's been miserable in this series. 
Yeah, but that's indicative of what this team is. They don't have the guy that you go to. Last year, in that in that situation, we know who they went to. They're going to Kawhi. We watched that ball bounce three times or whatever it was. So they just don't have that guy, so they're sort of searching. And it stinks to try to look for that guy in the midst of the second round of the playoffs. Maybe Norm winds up turning into that for them, and and they win Game 7 and they go on to the conference finals. But, you know, my confidence in, in this team is about where it was the other day when we were heading into Game 6. And, you know, I expected them to lose this game. I just don't trust them because they don't have that guy. That being said... Boston's guy, Jason Tatum, wasn't very good tonight. Really hasn't been all that great this series in general. He turned the ball over a lot. And I, I don't know if that was a product of him just being more of a playmaker in this one. I thought he played well, but like I but he he did have I mean, he took twenty one shots. Yeah, like he he had he had some he had some miscues in that game for sure. Uh we should talk about I guess two of the bigger controversial calls or no calls. Um one, the flagrant on Marcus Smart for the landing area when Fred Van Vliet took the three. Um, I didn't think I saw a lot. Well, I saw a lot from mostly Boston people on Twitter, but I like a lot of like he kicked his leg out. He split it to the side and everything. I didn't think it was this egregious like Reggie Miller kicked the leg out, kicked the leg to the side. I thought it was a pretty natural leg motion with his jumper. And I did think Marcus Smart came into the area. What I hate is I don't think that should be an automatic flagrant one. Yeah, it's a foul. To do it any more than that is is where it gets to be. You're not even splitting hairs at that point. You're actively punishing the Celtics for what is really normal defense. I don't think Marcus Smart obviously didn't make a dirty play. This was not a Zaza Pachulia exactly, yeah. style contest. Nothing easy. He was out to the side, and this is where, you know, I go back and I look at the replay from behind, and you can see that Fred Van Vliet spreads his legs a little bit unnaturally to me, to my eye. You know, I just don't know what you want these guys to do if you're the league and you're making these rules. Do you want them to just not contest jump shots? There are teams right, that already yeah. do that. Right, yeah. and, and But, like, they're already contesting to the side. Now you're going to get to the point where, well, you can't be within legs reach because – you, you might pick up a flagrant, and that altered this game to a certain degree. I mean, yeah, I agree with that. It yeah, turned it around for the Raptors quite a bit. Yeah, and I, I just, it's got to become a judgment call there, right? Like, you can see, for the most part, you can see intent, right? Like, exactly. you can see when Marcus Morris is doing something he shouldn't be doing, right? Like, that, like, I just feel like, and maybe we question the judgment of the referees anyway if we give them that power, but I still it's think possible. that, I still think that should be the process for it. And then Kemba got hammered. With two seconds left. 100%. Like, yeah, like, Should that have been is a, shooting free throws. That's a horrible no call. I actually think that this is an instance where Brad Stevens probably should have picked up a fine in the post-game interview. Yes, absolutely, yeah. It would have been worth it because you can affect the officiating in Game 7. It was pretty lopsided in this one. And I'm not saying that they, he didn't, they don't miss calls on both sides. But this, it just felt like... It was not the Celtics' night when it came to the missed calls. Let's put it that way. I, I don't want to say anyone did it on purpose because I don't think that way. You and I have talked about this. To me, most of those referees don't have a name or a face. I don't I don't know who was refereeing the game tonight until people tell me. But what I will say is that a lot of calls went against the Celtics tonight, or and at least it felt that way. The very punitive ones did. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's – academic to like look at all right where the fouls even where the free throws even right like the foul calls in this one were pretty much even the free throws were a little not you know a little lopsided i think 25 to 18 but that's not but also like those don't have to be even right like that's the thing i can't stand is those don't have to be even 
while I thought the officiating was bad both ways, I'm with you that it did seem like some like those turning calls didn't go Boston's way. Yeah, uh, but again, I've already spent more energy on referees this postseason than I ever care to. I like there. This was a really good basketball game. Man, it was fun. Yeah. And I want to talk about OG Ananobi just just briefly because, you know, he didn't light the world on fire. He scored 13 points. But he had 13 rebounds, and he had like three overtime rebounds that were just extremely impressive. He hit that big three uh, in overtime as well. To get that sort of production in the playoffs out of a guy his age is huge. And I wonder if they don't need to start running more stuff for OG instead of Pascal. Um, he's clearly not scared of the moment. Yeah, I think I would not run stuff for him necessarily. I would use him as a screener a lot. I would use him yeah, as he's screener a screener. Really with, great. Yeah. yeah, with with Kyle or with Fred, and just see if they can find him for stuff. Especially because I mean, Pascal, like he's just not hitting shots at this point. So I don't. I don't think that's a bad idea. He's bringing it on the defensive end, and they were good in his minutes tonight. So you know, you don't want to just say, "All right, we got to get Pascal off the court" or anything, but they got to find a way to get offense from somebody if he can't do it. I mean, clearly, Kyle Lowry's not going to put up 30 a night. So I don't know if you can rely on that in the next game. And as if we didn't have enough to look forward to with the Game 7, Marcus Smart and Norm Powell exchanging words at the end of that game after it was over. And Marcus Smart, man, he was unbelievable in this one. Just un- unbelievable. And so, I like, look, we were already going to get some fireworks in Game 7. Now we're really going to get some. These teams already kind of don't like each other, right? Like they they sort of have mirrored each other quite a bit. This is a playoff series we've all wanted to see. They were all in LeBron's shadow, and now LeBron's not there. But Toronto wins the title last year. Boston probably you know has an extra chip on their shoulder because they're playing the champs. And then you have you know the stuff, the chippy stuff on the court. You've even got Nick Nurse standing on the court and affecting a play. Look, I can tell I can tell you there's something added. I've heard I've heard quite a bit of stuff that maybe Brad Stevens wants to show he's as good of a coach as Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse getting all this new praise. Brad maybe feels, you know, allegedly feels a little little sore about it. Let's just put it this way. The Boston Celtics are not the ones with the basic offense in this series. We'll be right back after these messages. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually, we just brush it off, blame ourselves, saying things like, I've lost my mojo. Or, you know, you chalk it up to, I had a long day at work. Sorry, I'm just not feeling it. Sun's in my eyes. Air conditioning's too cold, you know? Gotta mow the lawn, whatever. Whatever your excuse is. But guys, it's okay. You don't have to worry. With Roman, it's easy to talk about erectile dysfunction. Say it with me, audience. Erectile dysfunction. There, you said the words, it's not a big deal, now go get it treated with real healthcare professionals who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, it's safe, and it's totally discreet. With Roman, you get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan, and if medication is appropriate, they'll ship it to you with free two-day shipping. Whole process is straightforward, it's simple, it's discreet. Getting started is super simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash DailyDing and complete an online visit. It used to be tough to tackle erectile dysfunction. It was really tough. But now with Roman, you just do the online visit today, connect with a healthcare professional, and they'll take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash DailyDing today. 
If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash DailyDing. GetRoman.com slash DailyDing. Once again, say it with me. Erectile dysfunction. There, we said it. Now we can treat it. All right, let's get to the news before we get to the other big game. Steve Nash, the new Brooklyn Nets coach. He was, uh, he was introduced to everybody as the new coach, and he was mentioning he was talking about skipping the line. He says, well, I did skip the line, frankly, in his uh, press conference on Wednesday. said, but at the same time, I think leading an NBA team for almost two decades is pretty unique. So while I haven't necessarily learned some of the skills that I'll definitely seek to understand and learn as far as the technical aspects of coaching, I was never far from that. Regardless of whether he has you know, experience or not, like he's the coach, right? He's got a relationship with Kevin Durant. He's got a relationship with Kyrie Irving. They both wanted him. That's how that stuff works in the NBA. And he's a former player. And so, you know, certainly he is a white dude. But I think that, at least I like to think, I mean, this is just me being honest about it. I like to think that in this instance, the former player part is the important thing to note. If he was Steve Nash plumber and got hired off the street. Obviously, this is a different conversation, but this is Steve Nash, Hall of Famer, two-time MVP, who also, you know, has a personal uh mentorship type relationship with your star player. Certainly, I appreciate that that he is willing to admit that maybe he skipped the line a bit. I also think that he is a former player and that probably had more to do with it than anything else. Yeah, and as as has been mentioned, I don't think it matters like Look, it matters who who the race of of these players are um, who become coaches and everything because the conversation is about race and about equality in the hiring process. So that does matter. But I with former point guards like Chauncey Billups was never coached before, never been an executive before, really. And there's talk about him every time there's a job position. Like, hey, maybe he'll want to coach. Hey, maybe he'll want to be a general manager, right? Like. Doc Rivers got to go right into it after some TV work. Uh, Mark, Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas, Mark Jackson, Jason Kidd, Steve Kerr didn't have any experience with either the you know, general manager or the or the coaching job. And he got and he got like I do think there's something to being a a point guard that tends to like people are like, ah, well, it's basically a coach on the floor. Now I'm not saying that exactly. makes the process right or anything. I'm just saying like I think that is the justification for a lot of this stuff and and it is with Nash as well. ESPN reporting that the NBA is telling teams of a potential revised 2020 draft night, which will be November 18th. I believe it's supposed to be like somewhere in like mid-October, right? Like October 18th or something like that. A significant part of why teams wanted that draft pushed back, in this case likely a month to November 18th, was to allow the NBA and the Players Association more time to negotiate the new salary cap numbers for next season. Teams need those figures to be able to conduct trades around the draft. I think Thanksgiving is like the week after 18th? Does that mean we're getting free agency on a Black Friday? Is that too perfect? I wouldn't be surprised if we see the draft push back again. A lot of this is going to be, you know, teams talking about needing the salary cap numbers. The number that they really want is the tax number because there are going to be a bunch of teams trying to make moves to get under the tax. This is all about that league year and they extended it the, the fiscal year. And now they got to sort things out. So it's going to be an odd offseason because we're going to know about agreements before the draft even, I think. Oh, for sure. Um, there's not much happening in free agency. But I wouldn't be shocked if we see that draft push back again. I mean, we already know that at this point, the start of next season, at the earliest, is probably mid-February. I'm starting to lean toward even March. And I haven't heard that. That's just my own gut watching them you know, kind of work their schedule back. But yeah, Black Friday... 
for free agency would be pretty incredible. It would be pretty incredible. And then last bit of news breaking from Wednesday night. Daniel House, Houston Rockets forward, uh, he might be done. According to ESPN, his status for the remainder of the conference semifinals against the Lakers is in jeopardy as the NBA probes a potential violation of bubble protocol. He has denied any wrongdoing to the league. According to ESPN, he was a late scratch from Game 3 due to personal reasons and is listed as out for Game 4. The league says it hasn't cleared him to play in Game 4 yet. The Players Association and the NBA are discussing the issue. Regardless of what is rumored to you know, be the issue, he's not there. You know, He's not going to be able to play. Dave, so with House not being like this is already a pretty thin team, right? They already have a pretty uh, yeah. pretty pretty low rotation in terms of numbers. Like losing House is a big deal. Yeah, Mike D'Antoni really only wants to play five guys. Right. <laughs> if he can just go forty eight <laughs> minutes for these five guys, he'll do it. Yeah, and House is one of those five guys that he would like to be playing. So obviously this is a huge loss for them. You know, I hope it's nothing serious and and, and that, you know, whatever happens uh doesn't have any long term effects for anybody. But, uh, yeah, it's not great. All right, Dave, the other game from Wednesday night, it was an ugly one, and thanks to Scott Foster, it was unnecessarily long. Clippers 96, Nuggets 85. The Clippers now take a commanding 3-1 series lead over Denver, but we saw Denver come back from a 3-1 deficit last round, so maybe they can do it against the Clippers this time. Man, like the Clippers defense locked in, Dave, and they, they made it ugly, and it made me wonder, do the Clippers just want to make these games grimy the rest of the way because they don't really lock in defensively enough, but when they do, man, they look unbeatable. They started out just gangbusters, right? Like defensively, they look great. Kawhi came out aggressive. They're able to do things. We know they can do them, but they just don't do them all the time. They just show us, hey, we can do this trick. And then they go away from it. And, and that happened in this game. I, I thought the end of the second quarter and early third where they just kind of let off the gas a little bit. And it's sort of the story of the Clippers that we've been telling all year, you know, the consistent effort stuff to the point where Doc Rivers, you know, he mentioned it the other night after their game where they really just played hard the last four or five minutes. And, you know, it's not necessarily – I don't think that's championship play. I think, like, if you're a championship team or you see yourself as a championship team, you're trying to get through the playoffs as fast as possible. I mean, we've seen this before. Now, certainly they got their flaws, and they, not everyone on that team is a good defender. But we know they can do it. And it's all about consistent effort, which is which has been a concern for them. I look at this Clippers team, and it – you know, Amin Al Hassan and I were talking about this on NBA Radio the other day. Is it just looks like a it looks like a pickup team that just got together for the first time, right? Like it just looks so disjointed. But Kawhi is so good, and he was he was great tonight. Kawhi is so good that I think if they just make games ugly and then say, "Hey, Kawhi, please go save us," he can do it. They're able to do that, especially against a team like Denver that just doesn't have a lot of individual threats you know Jokic is going to get his at this point yeah he was he was great in this one it's just there's no help they're destroying Jamal Murray early they are I mean they are just like defending him as tight as they can and then shadow him off the ball so that he just can't get back into the play I mean he wound up 18 points tonight but he was taken so far out of being effective in the first half that you kind of know that unless he really gets hot okay they've got this figured out I don't know that the Nuggets have the talent to make up 
for not having Murray. You know, Torrey Craig, they're not even guarding Torrey Craig, which allows them to send extra help onto Murray, onto Jokic. And so they're sending a double on Jokic. Jokic is trying to find a shooter, and, you know, they're running the shot clock down quite a bit. I mean, they had a couple tonight, uh, shot clock violations. So clearly the Clippers are able to do these things. I'd just like to see them do it for a full game. Like, what would the score be if they just kept the intensity that they had in this game in the first quarter? It's a little frustrating if you want to see the best of the Clippers. It doesn't feel like we've seen that consistently this year. There was, you know, before the shutdown, I believe they were, I want to say, 10-1 and when they were fully healthy. So we didn't get a lot of games of that anyway. When they were fully healthy, they were dominant. I think the only loss they had was that, that Lakers game uh, right before the shutdown happened. I believe if they locked in, no one can play with them. I just don't trust that they that they're going to lock in the way they need to in order to accomplish that. But Kawhi, thirty points, eleven rebounds, nine assists, four steals, two blocks. I mean, those are just insane numbers. Jokic had twenty six points, eleven rebounds, six assists. But you know, Jeremy Grant hasn't been able to find a shot the last couple of games. He was one of six from three in this one. You mentioned Jamal Murray; they're just locking down early. Paul Millsap is unplayable at this point. Torrey Craig, they're not guarding. Michael Porter Jr. had some good minutes, but it's just it's not enough to overcome what this Clippers team is doing. And it's not like anyone else went off for the Clippers. They had a solid attack from everybody. Like, you know, Montrez Harrell had some had some good scoring minutes. You know, Paul George only took 10 shots in, in 27 minutes. He had 10 points. He was in foul trouble. Zubats had a, had a solid game. You know, Marcus Morris had a solid game. But it, it, this was an ugly one. I mean, the Nuggets shot under 40% from, from the field. And the Clippers barely barely cleared forty one, right? Like so, it's like it's not like they were <laughs> nobody shot yeah, well. No, yeah. no one shot well. No one shot well from three. It was, it was an ugly one, but I do think the Clippers benefit from that ugly one. Yeah, and, and you know, going back to Millsap, you know, this is kind of how it's been in the seeding games. He did have a, a really good game in their win against the Clippers, and then uh, in Game Three, but he just looks washed. And I hate to even say that because he looked really good during the season. Or at least in stretches, you know, certainly at his age, you know, you, you have better stretches and some worse ones. But this has been really bad, and it's part of why their defense is completely falling apart. They just don't have that guy who is coming over as the helper, and he's also not able to rotate out to shooters. So I think he might not be playable, like legitimately. MPJ is a extreme defensive liability, but because of the scoring – you may just have to roll with him at this point. I mean, you're down three one anyway. You might you may just have to see. Maybe he catches catches fire, goes for thirty, helps out Jokic, and and that's what you go with. The alternative is is just like hoping to Tinkerbell clap Paul Millsap back to effectiveness. That's exactly it, right? So, do you accept the zero, or do you say, listen, we've got this wildly variant player that we could play who might be a huge positive or he might be a huge negative. I think you just got to kind of gamble at this point because you're down 3-1. There's a talent gulf between the two teams. And Michael Porter Jr. is not much better than Paul Millsap right now defensively. He might actually be worse defensively. But he's much better on the offensive end. Yeah, you're and he's at least, at least getting, a threat. You're at least getting a guy who can score, right? Well, Murray is better when Porter's out there. Jokic is better when Porter's out there. It gives them a guy, he's a smart cutter, he's a big target, he's not scared at all to shoot. And I think just having that guy out there, you know, we talk about this all the time, there's more gravity on the court, so the defenders have to stay attached. Right now, you know, when you play Torrey Craig and Paul Millsap together, that's two guys you don't have to guard. Now what? Gary Harris, I mean, you know, nobody's guarding him yet. He's still. We still don't know if he remembered how to shoot. 
He went one of four from three in this game. He was four of seven the other night. I'm not worried about Gary Harris. So now you're down to two guys. Jaren Grant, uh, uh, Jeremy Grant's not shooting well. Jokic is playing well. And we know Murray has it in him, but he's just being guarded. Like, you know, they've, they're a dog on a bone with, with Jamal Murray. So you need somebody. And I think Michael Porter might be that guy. Maybe they should throw him in the starting lineup. I mean, at this point, what's it going to hurt? Might as well do it's it. It's not going to hurt anything. But look at what the Clippers did. And, you know, Kawhi played 39 minutes. Nobody else played more than 30. And Scott Foster, please stop doing reviews when we don't need them. Please. Please. Like, please. Stop. Can we just get a, a review referee? Just Come someone on. in Secaucus. We don't need to stop you know, for this. Like, not Steve Javi, but someone in Secaucus. Just, you know, just say, like, hey, we looked at it before you came over to the booth. It's good. I mean, at this point, I'd almost rather they just get it wrong and we just move on. 100%. You know what I mean? It, it just isn't worth the amount of time they spend on this stuff. Big game coming up on Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern. The Rockets will try to even up that series at 2-2 against the Los Angeles Lakers, who hold a 2-1 lead. Dave, are we going to see playoff Rondo for a third straight game? I mean, <laughs> I haven't seen anything to make me believe that we won't. He's a guy who can make a good post-entry pass, which is really what the Lakers need. They need somebody who can feed LeBron, feed Anthony Davis, and you know Rondo can do that. He's going to hit shots here and there, especially because the Rockets are just not guarding him at all. Uh, but it's not the shooting that you've got him in there for. It's because he's one guy who can dribble the ball and make that post-entry pass without just ruining the sheets. What an, what an amazing idea of just being good at a post-entry pass. It's just yeah. like, look, I know we don't do a lot of posting up anymore, but you got two guys who can who need the ball in that fashion. Uh, that's the lost art. Yeah. That is the lost art. Yeah, it's not the mid-range game. It's just the post-entry pass. Just ask Eric Bledsoe every time he tries to throw one. All right, uh, for the Rockets to win this game and even it up, game two, Russell Westbrook was a disaster, and they lost. Game three, he was good, and they lost. So what's the answer here? I don't, I don't know that he was good. He, his numbers were better, but he still kills them. I mean, if you're the Lakers – you want Russell Westbrook to shoot every jump shot. And he's willing to do that from time to time. And I think the Lakers just stick with their game plan. They're they're actually playing some of the best basketball that they've played in these seeding games, I think, the last couple of games. And um I, I'm I'm expecting them to to be up uh and get it over with. I think this one's about a wrap. Or unless James Harden goes nuts, which is possible. It, it, he would have to go really nuts. Yeah. Which would be fun to watch anyway. So Go for it, James Harden. That's going to do it for today's show. Don't forget about the other basketball shows across the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic NBA show, we got a fun point of contention coming at you on Thursday. Of course, Nerdish wrote on Friday. Check out No Dunks. Check out House of Strauss. All the team-specific shows with your favorite athletic beat writers. Don't forget, on the app, notifications for new episodes just click follow those shows get new episodes get notifications use the comment section to let us know how we're doing and again we got a new app it's got a lot of bells and whistles a lot of interactivity get on that new app and if you haven't go to the athletic.com slash daily ding it's a dollar a month right now to subscribe you cannot beat that deal thanks for waking up with us wear a mask be safe stay socially distanced and dave hit me with that sign off ding ding